Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for Welcome back today. We are in 2 Kings chapter 6 about the floating axe head. This is a fantastic story. Let's jump right straight into it, shall we? 2 Kings 6 verse 1. And the sons of the prophets said to Elisha, See now the place where we dwell with you is too small for us. Please let us go to the Jordan and let every man take a beam from there and let us make there a place where we may dwell. So he answered, Go. Now, we got to remember there was a lot of these prophets that followed Elisha around because they were students of God's word. They wanted to learn whatever they could from because they had seen what God was doing through Elisha. So they wanted to learn everything they could from him. Now, these sons of the prophets, they were like students who were being taught at these different education centers all around Israel. And they had the mission of taking the word of God out to the people of Israel. So back in the previous chapter, They had all gotten sick from a bad pot of stew that helped them realize how sick Israel had become by worshiping the false god Baal. It was their experiential lesson they had to go through. It was their big wake-up call to get really serious about their ministry work. And so not only were they now super motivated to go to work, but also their numbers had grown because more guys wanted to jump in and help. Elisha was doing a lot of great miracle, miraculous things, and so now they're really getting active, which now means that with more numbers, more guys, that means their old facility suddenly wasn't big enough to educate them all. They needed a bigger school, a bigger place to go learn from. You can tell from this how Elisha's ministry had been very effective on these prophets. Look what it's doing for them. Now they're motivated. We need a bigger building now. And so the Lord was also building up his ministers to really get out there and turn the people of Israel back to himself. 2 Kings 6, verse 3. Then one said, please consent to go with your servants. And he answered, I will go. Okay, now when you consider how busy a guy Elisha was, he could have said, look, guys, sorry, I'm too busy. I've got my own mission work to do. But he agreed to go with them. Now, this demonstrated humility. Rather than act like he was too big time for them, I'm the great Elisha, I have to go. No, he took the time to help them build up. Now, as great as Elisha was, he he couldn't be everywhere at the same time. I mean, I can't do that either. That's why I'm on the radio. I try to get the message out as much as I can, but Elisha couldn't be everywhere. And so building a bigger facility would educate more prophets, more teachers, to greatly expand the work of the Lord across Israel. So this was in line with Elisha's ministry work to go help these guys build a bigger facility. 2 Kings 6 verse 4. So he went with them, and when they came to the Jordan, they cut down trees. 
But as one was cutting down a tree, the iron axe head fell into the water, and he cried out and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. The way in which this young prophet reacted to losing this axe head, it kind of gives us a lot of insight to the deeper meaning of this story, because you could see he greatly it was greatly distressed about losing the axe head. You could say he flew off the handle, <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> but to us today, an axe head flying off in the water, that's no big deal. You just go down to the store and buy another one. But back then, an axe head was not easy to come by. First, you had to find the metal to make it with. Then you had to get a blacksmith would have to forge it into shape. And then you had to put it on top of a handle and get it tight on that handle. But guys, this means that a simple axe head it cost a lot of money. And the fact that this axe head was borrowed didn't belong to the guy using it. It means that this prophet, he had to return it back to its rightful owner after he had finished using it. But if he couldn't return it, then the law said he would be forced to having to pay for it. So you can see the problem here. Exodus 22 and 14 says, If a man borrows anything from his neighbor and it becomes injured or dies, it's talking about animals here, the owner of it not being with it, he shall surely make it good. Okay, when you borrow something and you lose it, or if you borrowed some oxen and they die, unless the owner's there with you, you have to you have to pay it back. But if the owner was there, he provided that tool for you and was on site for it, then the owner would make good on it. But if you borrowed it and you took off somewhere with a piece of property, the law said you're now responsible for that. I really doubt the prophet made enough money to pay for this axe head. Ministers don't make a lot of money, contrary to what a lot of people think. They just, they don't. So he would be put in prison as a slave to work off paying for this axe head that he lost. Now, in Matthew 18, we can read the parable of the unforgiving servant. It says in there that they would put people in prison until they could pay back the things that they owed. So this prophet here, he was in big trouble because suddenly he found himself underneath a huge debt that he could not pay for. 2 Kings 6, verse 6. So the man of God said, where did it fall? And he showed him the place. Okay, I know I'm taking it one step at a time here, but I don't want you to miss anything. Elisha, he recognized the condemnation that this prophet was facing. He could be dragged off to jail and be made a slave for what he owed on it. He also understood all the consequences of what was going to happen to him if they did not resolve the situation. And so Elisha decided to take action. He decided to step in and do something about it. So he came alongside this prophet, and the first thing that Elisha did, I want you to recognize, was what? He asked him a question. He asked him, where did it fall? In other words, where did you lose it? Where exactly did this happen? Where along the banks of the river did it fall in? Okay. Now, friends, we need to understand that this question that he asked him, it required an answer. Now, I want you to take extreme observance to the fact that the prophet was required to tell him where this happened. It's very important. He had to tell him where this went down. Second Kings 6, verse 7. So he cut off a stick and threw it in there, and he made the iron float. Therefore he said, pick it up for yourself. So he reached out his hand and took it. 
Okay, this is just an amazing story because you have an iron axe head that was floating on water here. I mean, that can't happen. That's impossible, but it did here in the story. So, okay, it floated on water. They grabbed it and all's well. Thank you for coming. Uh, Thanks for listening to Set for Life. Catch you next time. No, we're just getting started. There's more. (laughs) What's even more amazing here is the fact that the prophet had now been delivered from the debt penalty that the law required him to pay. Do y'all catching this? I want to elaborate a little further into all the illustrations that we've been given in this story. First off, an axe head in scripture, it represents judgment. It is a picture of judgment. Why? Because an axe head, an axe, is a tool that is used to cut things down. It destroys. It cuts things down. Matthew 3 verse 10 says, And even now, the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree which does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So you can see how an axe is representative of judgment. Luke 3 verse 9 says the same thing that I just read to you. But what we see is that an axe was used to condemn whatever tree was not productive. The axe is the tool that is used to exercise judgment. So axes are illustrative of judgment. So I want you to now carry this thought over to what the young prophet was thinking in the story here. The axe head that he had lost, to him, it represented judgment that he was now about to face. He was now under a debt penalty that the law demanded for him to pay for. He was going to have to go to court. He was going to have to be judged condemned and thrown in jail and made a slave. That was the law. Now, another imagery here, this is the Jordan River. That's where the axe head fell into. That was lostness because it fell deep down into into the water and it was lost. But the Jordan River itself has an illustration, a picture that represented separation, lostness from God's promise. How so? When the children of Israel finally entered into the promised land, they had to cross the Jordan River to get in. And so the Jordan River was kind of like a borderline, this dividing marker that separated the promise that they were trying to get into from the lostness where they had come from. And that was where that border was, was at the Jordan River. They had been lost in the desert until they crossed the Jordan River into promise. Okay, so now this axe head, a symbol of judgment, it got lost in the river. It's lost. Okay, you've got judgment. You have lostness, you have debt, you've got penalty, slavery, condemnation, all wrapped up on this poor guy. This was more than just a lost axe head to this guy. It also meant being lost. This prophet was going to get cut off from the promises of God. He wasn't going to get to walk around with his buddies doing ministry work anymore because they were going to come get him and put him away. Now, I don't think that the prophet said the old English term, alas, (laughs) like we read, alas, it was borrowed. Alas is, is an expression of dismay or grief. I'm more inclined to think he probably cried out the Hebrew version of oy vey. If this prophet had been thrown in jail, he would have been separated from all the other prophets that he'd been to school with, all his friends, his family that he hung out with. He was now under the threat of being taken away by judgment, taken away from promise, into condemnation because of the sudden debt that he was now in. He was about to be lost, 
as a slave. Now, friends, this is where my Jesus parallel starts. When Elisha identified the prophet's problem, he saw this guy was in trouble and he felt he needed to do something about it. Elisha had compassion on him. And so Elisha chose to intervene and do something about it. He didn't want this guy to be separated from the blessings of doing the Lord's ministry work. So the first action that Elisha took was what? Did he wave his hand around and make the axe head float up? No, he, that's not what he did. What was first? First, he commanded the prophet to answer him a question. Where did it fall? You need to tell me. Tell me, where along this river, where exactly did this happen? Where is the place that you committed this offense? You have to show me where. You've got to tell me where you committed the offense. And so the prophet was required to give him an answer first. Elisha didn't go wave his hand and make it show the axe head show up. He was required to give him an answer up front before anything could be done. Friends, I really hope you're hearing me because there's an important order to this. So after the prophet showed him, Elisha cut off part of a tree and threw a stick in the water right where the axe head fell in. Okay, again, I'm making the point that he didn't just wave his hand to make the axe head float up. So why did Elisha have to cut off a stick? <laughs> What's this about? Why did he cut off a piece of wood, a stick, part of a tree? and throw it in right where the offense happened. I mean, why not just, you know, throw a stick in anywhere? I mean, you see the specific things going on. Answer the question first. Where did you commit the offense? Then he threw part of a tree, not just anywhere, but where the offense happened. Friends, why did he do this? Because on a tree is where judgments are paid for. More imagery here, guys. This is good stuff. Deuteronomy 21 verse 22 says, If a man has committed a sin deserving of death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall surely bury him that day, so that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. For he who is hanged is accursed of God. Okay, you're you're hung on a tree? That's the accursed. See, this prophet was going to be cursed. He was going to be condemned. Now, the axe head represented judgment. It fell into the Jordan River, which represented the separation line between promise and condemnation. But the Lord recovered the axe head. It was the Lord's power that did this through Elisha. He recovered the axe head. In other words, Father God raised back up what had been an instrument of judgment. And now that the axe head was recovered, then the debt had been eliminated, which removed judgment off from the prophet. And now the prophet was no longer bound as a slave under the law concerning it. So since the axe head had now been restored to him, he was now set free. And the very fact that an axe head floated on water, that shows us that this was impossible. This was something that was impossible to do. But it had indeed been accomplished by the Lord God. So now the prophet could walk with God as a free man. He was no longer bound down. He was able to walk freely with the assembly of believers, doing the work of the Lord and enjoying the blessing of what it produced. 
Okay, if you can't see the Jesus parallel by now, then just hold on because I'm about to unload it on you, okay? It's important for us to understand why this story played out exactly the way it did. Every element of this miracle has been God-breathed to us because God wants us to learn a far bigger picture than just what's going on in the story itself. This is more than just about an axe head. There's a picture greater than just losing a piece of equipment. There's something big for us even today. You could say good for the prophet, glad he got saved out of that, but there's something for you and me in this as well. Here it is. All of us found ourselves under a huge debt. Now, how do we get into this? Like, Like the prophet, you're just doing stuff one day and all of a sudden you're in debt, you're in trouble. How do we get ourselves into this mess? Romans 3 verse 23 says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So friends, that's how we got in trouble. We got under debt. That sin put us under a huge debt. And just like the axe head that was lost, we lost our innocence when we sinned. Isaiah 59 verse 2, your iniquities have separated you from your God. So friends, remember how the Jordan River was that borderline that the Israelites had to cross to come into the land of promise. The axe head fell into the lostness of the water, and so the prophet, he suddenly found himself underneath a big debt that he was now responsible for, a debt that he could not pay. Same for us. Sin put us under an enormous debt that we could not pay for either. Romans 6 verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. And so when the axe head flew off the handle, then under the law, that prophet immediately became accountable for it. He's the one that lost it, and so the law made him accountable to it. Romans 3 verse 19 says, Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world held accountable to God. Okay, so once the prophet realized his accountability to such a big debt, that's when he realized he would be dragged off to jail and be made a slave because he just couldn't pay for it. And so, likewise, our sin penalty was too big for us to pay. We all broke it. We're the ones that did it. And so we were all going to be dragged off to condemnation for the sins that you and I both committed. Romans 7 verse 14 says, For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am of flesh, sold into bondage to sin. You know, friends, today, a lot of people, they just don't realize, they just don't understand how much trouble their sin has gotten them into. The prophet understood the trouble he was in. He was going to be dragged away. He was going to be condemned as a slave. People don't realize that about their sin today. If they truly understood the trouble that God's law has put onto them, then they would cry out just like the prophet did when the axe head flew off. Uh, Alas, master, or oy vey, whichever it was he said, if people understood the trouble their sin got them in today, they would be crying out just like he did. Psalm 107, verse 19, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and he saved them out of their distresses. You know what's great here is that Elisha heard the cry of the prophet, Elisha recognized the trouble that this prophet was in, and so Elisha had enough compassion on him to go to him 
and to look for what had been lost. Friends, I want you to get a hold of this. Elisha wanted to seek that which was lost. Luke 19, verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Friends, I hope that you can see that Elisha served as a type of Christ here in a story that has played itself out as an illustration to point us towards the deliverer from our own debt, towards Jesus Christ, who had compassion on us for our trouble that we got into. He had enough compassion to want to come and save that which was lost. Matthew 9, verse 36. But when he, Jesus, saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them. See, Jesus has compassion for us like Elisha had compassion for the prophet. So now that Elisha had come near to this prophet, his first question to him was, where did you lose the axe head? Where did it fall in? In other words, he wanted the prophet to tell him just where the offense occurred. Was it way up the river or was it down the river? Was it upstream, downstream? You need to identify and specify where this all went down. You need to tell me where this happened. And he had to answer to that question. Friends, Jesus stands ready to save you from the condemnation of your sin. He recognizes the trouble that it has gotten you into, but you are not automatically saved. You must first Tell him where your offense occurred. You must first confess what you did and where you did it. Proverbs 28, verse 13. He who covers his sins will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Okay, let's think about our story here. Imagine if Elisha asked the prophet, where did it fall? But the prophet said, well, that's not important. That doesn't matter. I'm not going to tell you. It's not necessary for me to tell you where it happened. Just wave your hand and make it rise up wherever it's at. You know, Elisha could have done that. Just wave his hand around and the axe head floated up. But no, Elisha required the prophet to first tell him where. You take me to the place where this happened. You need to show me where this offense went down. So the prophet was required to admit it happened right here. Friends, Jesus Christ says you need to confess first. Jesus stands ready to save you, but if you're not going to confess your offense, your offense, what what's he he can't do anything. He's waiting for your confession. This is a huge point in this story. We have to tell him where the offense happened then Elisha would do something about it. You have to tell the Lord Jesus, here's where I sinned. Lord, I did this. I sinned. I did it here at this point in my life. At at another point in my life, I did that. You got to tell him where up or down the river of your life did you commit offenses. You've got to confess your sin. Huge point in this story, because a lot of people today, today, they want Jesus to save them from condemnation. But what they will not do is they will not confess their sins to Jesus Christ first. In fact, God's law says in Leviticus 5 verse 5, when someone is guilty in a matter, that he shall confess that he has sinned in that thing.
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.